0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I am your host, Michael Clark, and we are in Season 4, Episode 7. It's a great time to study the Bible no matter what you're doing. I hope you can multitask a little bit maybe during this episode and get some of your chores done or whatever else might be pressing, but we have an opportunity now to continue on with our theme of this season, which is far better than focusing on, and today's episode is What Others Think. We got a four-episode arc that begins today with Brother Dan Cates. He is an instructor at the Memphis School of Preaching, and what is what is also your dean title?
1: Uh, dean of Apologetics.
0: That's a fairly new title, correct?
1: Yes, sir. That's right.
0: Why don't you tell people just a little bit about what that 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 role is now? Because it's a new. We've we've had a reason for that role being given to you, and I think it's really neat for people to hear it.
1: Well, there there are two factors. Number one. Uh, I was the dean of communications, and communications involves a lot of different things of which I I don't really have any technical ability. I I could perhaps oversee some things and point some people in the right directions, but communications as far as using equipment and things of that nature, there are others like yourself, uh, obviously like Steve Ulrich, who are the ones who do all the heavy lifting when it comes to that. So I, I thought I was wholly uh, inadequately up to that, that particular role other than pointing people in the right direction. Uh, but apologetics, uh, apology or apologia in, in the Greek has to do with answering or giving a defense. And many of the classes that I teach involve subjects that are actually answers. Yeah. I teach, for instance, Christian evidences, and we are probably most of us who are uh, listening are familiar with Apologetics Press, Apologetics, uh, answering, uh, standing for a defense of God. But also teach history courses, including the Intertestament period and Bible archaeology. And both of those are areas where uh, either secular history from the written record. Or secular history from the archaeological record helps to show the veracity of Scripture. And so those are two classes that really are apologetics classes. Yeah. Uh, I think to a degree, even the language courses can be applied to apologetics right. and um, answering doctrines. Uh, my English class, we diagram virtually the whole year. And that's a great way to be able to answer false doctrine is go to the text and uh, even from the English be able to see how the words relate to each other. Many doctrines can be very easily answered using that. Uh, for instance, the idea that one only has to say "Jesus save me," right? Uh, Acts twenty two sixteen, calling on the name of the Lord is a participial phrase there, which is modifying. The verbs arise, be baptized, and wash it's not an action, and uh, so that's that's really apologetics as well. Also, we have a museum at the library, and uh, I've had the opportunity to and have been blessed to be able to work with that museum so it's a it's a more appropriate title,
0: yeah, well, and I know uh before we get into the episode, just a a teaser for next week, we'll talk more about the museum and how that kind of came to be, and more about the Information that's in there and all of the things that we've been blessed to have as a a part of the Memphis School of Preaching now. But my main job um, is not the Scatter the Broad Network. I, I do this with Caleb Rutherford. We co direct it together and we have a great group of guys that help work with us. But my main job is at the Memphis School of Preaching. I work in recruiting and digital promotions. And I can tell you firsthand if you would come and tour our library, if you would come and sit in on a couple of classes, you would make your mind up pretty quickly, this is where you need to be. And if you're interested in gospel preaching, reach out to us. Our information will be in the show notes. We'd be happy to talk to you. If you're an individual that maybe you're a couple years away from retirement and you just can't make the commitment to come yet, but you want to come in the future, but you're, you're wanting to cut your teeth and learn more about the Bible, two weeks from today, we'll talk about the MOST program. And give Brother Cates an opportunity to highlight that, which he is working over and part of his role here at the school, and that's a great tool for you to be aware of if you have not known of it yet. But today, as we are talking about our theme, our episode title is Far Better Than Focusing on What Others Think. And so, Brother Dan, I got three questions. The first one is, does man often obsess over what others think? Yes. Next question <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, uh, yes, and often to his detriment, sometimes to his credit mm. uh, often to his detriment when what others think dictate actions which are not in accord with God's word, but he feels that he must uh, do those because others are thinking or watching peer pressure uh, falls into that category. What others think will determine. You know, how a young person is going to spend his Friday night sometimes, and it may not be in a practice which is allowed by God. Uh, It can be good, though, as well. Uh, We recognize that others are watching us as we are serving as examples to them and for them. In that sense, it is important to be considering what others think because uh, we don't want to lead them astray by our right. actions.
0: I think about in First Kings chapter 11, or really actually chapter 12, uh, we're looking at Rehoboam, and it happened that Jeroboam had heard what was going on, that Rehoboam had become king, and they, they send these individuals to him in verse 4, and they say, you know, your father made our yoke heavy, and we would really appreciate it if you could lighten that load a little bit and that burden. And he said, well, depart for three days and then come back to me. And he consulted with the elders. And he wanted to know what they thought on the matter. And they said, you know, there's some merit to what's being said. Maybe you should do that. And then he went and asked his friends, those that were his own age, those that were peers. And they said, you know what you should do? You should make it more difficult. You should make it harder. And evidently, what seems to be the case is what we read in verse 10, where the young men who had grown up with him said, you should say that my pinky will be thicker than my father's waist. That's how much the burden is going to be. I'm going to have more power and more oppression in my pinky than my whole father's waist, which means what would the rest of him look like? And he takes the advice of his friends. And I think there's some merit to pointing out when the king answers these people roughly and rejects the advice of the elders, there is a way to Be concerned about what certain people think about you. And in that case, Rehoboam should have been concerned. Here these individuals have come to him and said, it's not been easy on us, and we really would appreciate it if you could make it a little easier. He should have taken that coupled with the wise counsel of the elders and said, you know what? Uh, I should probably be a little bit of a nicer king. Instead, he went with those that he had grown up with and decided, no, let's make it harder. Being concerned or obsessed over what others think can be a good thing. It can also be a bad thing. If I'm obsessed over what others think to the point where I I always want to make sure I'm doing what's right, I think that's where we look at it and we make it a a good practice. But you mentioned it's to our own detriment. When we talk about it from the negative side, where, you know, and as gospel preachers, we've seen this and we've experienced it a lot. Uh, we, We preach a sermon that maybe the congregation really needed to hear. And the member that needed to hear it the most, the devil apparently told him to take a vacation and he wasn't there that Sunday. And so you preach this sermon and you've held to the truth. And then some of the other members that might've also needed that tune-up, if you will, come out and say, you know, your tie looks really great today. And they just keep going. Or you preach a gospel sermon and nobody says a word about it. You know, preacher, that was about 30 minutes. You know, we'd appreciate it if it was 25. And you go home and we like to say that we don't do it. But I I know that I've done it, and I'm sure that maybe you've had some moments, too, where somebody has said something to you, and you get home that night, and you're sitting in your chair, and just out of nowhere, it comes right back up in your mind as if they're saying it right to your face. And if you're not careful, you can begin to obsess over what's being said. Why do we do that on the negative side? Because you would think, especially when we know it's not true, we need to move on.
1: I I don't know why we do it. Uh, I think— a key word there is obsess. I think we uh, we obsess sometimes unnecessarily because we just take for granted that this person is thinking that. You and I cannot read minds. Uh, sometimes in class, I will uh, ask the students to tell me what I'm thinking. Huh. And, you know, the easy answer would be, you're not going to be able to guess what, we're th- what what I'm thinking. And that's that's not the answer. I will purposefully... Right. Think of something completely different. Uh, and I do that when I'm teaching 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 through 13. Yeah. We uh, don't know what's in the mind of God unless he reveals it to us. Now, Jesus could read minds. He knew what people were thinking. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 3 and 4. You and I cannot do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when somebody says something to us, right. uh, we could misconstrue what has been said. And I'm sure there are plenty of times. But it is that I've done that. But it's very easy to let the mind focus on those things. And I don't know of an and of an easy way to counter that, other than perhaps you know, let it run its course or better find something else to occupy the the thought or the time. But it, it's difficult. The the important thing is not to let it dominate us. Uh, if if others have said something to us, maybe go and talk to them. Right. Uh, I like sports. Uh, every so often we'll use a sports illustration because we all can relate to sports. Uh, once a number of years ago, one of the brethren uh, got on to me because I had used a sports illustration. Well, I could have uh, gone home and I could have read it over that and and thought about that. Uh, But after I had gotten to the house and taken care of what needed to be taken care of there, probably about 10 or 15 minutes, I was in the car headed to his house to talk to him. And so we talked, and I explained to him that I use all sorts of illustrations. And I even mentioned that Paul used sports analogies. And so if it helps to demonstrate the point, now I'm not going to preach. Illustrations. You know, the, those aren't the sermons, but I will illustrate with the illustrations. And that's something that uh, Scripture did in many, uh, many different um, contexts. Right. But that was one I, I could have let, just dwelt upon it. Instead, I thought I'm going to go talk to him. Yeah. And we worked it out. Uh, not a word has been said negative regarding uh, the illustrations that I've used in. The years since this, uh, that's been probably, I don't know, 13 or 14 years ago. Yeah.
0: Well, and you think, too, where there's no wood, the fire dies out. Right. I think that's a scripture, you know? Um, That's
1: a proverb idea.
0: That's right. When you look at elderships, for example, I think this plays a role in this for preachers at least, and even members, because this can happen as well. You know, well, sister so-and-so said such-and-such to me, and I want you to deal with it. (laughs) Elders need to be better at times, at saying, well, let's go talk to her right now. Let's go talk to him right now. Uh, one of the one of the phrases that I, I dislike the most is, well, people are saying. That's going to make me obsess right. about what has been said because I cannot correct it. I cannot go and talk to somebody about it. And I've always said, if I've done something wrong, you feel free to come talk to me and come meet with me. You feel free to bring an elder with you if you need to. But if I've done something wrong, please don't just go to the elders and say, I don't like that he did this, but don't tell him it was me. Because what you said you were able to do is the exact way that the Bible talks about handling something like that that happens. Somebody has a problem with you, you go to him, you work it out. When I just hear the words, well, people are saying, how can I solve that? And more time in my ministry, has been spent focusing on what people have been saying when I couldn't correct it than the times where I knew what someone has said, and I can go right to them and say, hey, this bothered me for this reason. I'm a little upset about this. Can we work it out? Those conversations, when I have to go to somebody, they're not easier in the sense of it's just something I look forward to doing, but it's easier when I know, okay, here's the solution right in front of us. We can both attack and get to that and that's what we're trying to do but if i don't know what's been said and i don't know who said it it's going to be harder to not obsess over it it's going to be harder to not sit there at night and go is it this person is it that person I wonder if it's him I wonder if it's one of the deacons one of the elders what you know and sometimes i've i've heard a preacher say and i think there's some merit to this too some cases when an eldership says well people are saying that's code for we are people as elders, and we are saying this is what needs to be done, but, but we don't want to say somebody it. else exactly yeah. and that's a problem too, because that that just breeds this idea of obsession and what others think uh i you know as we think about our third question here uh I would say that you would agree with this that i'm a I'm a fairly unique individual in that I don't typically care completely about how people view me. Um, Megan at times is like, don't you care about, no, because as long as the Lord's happy with me, I think it'll all work out after that. Um, I don't want to be a jerk. I don't want to be somebody that's rude and mean, but I'm awkward at times. And I don't apologize for that because that's who I am. Uh, you know, there's a time to be reverent. And right now what we're doing, we're going to be reverent. We're talking about the Bible. There's also a time to joke and play around, and I, I love to be awkward and make fun and have fun with people. If I spend all of my time, spend all of my time caring about what everyone thinks about me, I'm going to have to be a million different people on any given day. I can never truly be myself, because I have to care about what this person says about me, so when I'm around them, I need to be considerate of that. I need to be considerate of this. Should we even care, though? Is there ever a point? Where I have to be concerned with what people think about me, and if so, when does that happen?
1: yeah, uh definitely there is uh, when i'm the person that is the example of Christ for them uh, that's when I need to be very concerned about uh, what they're thinking of me. Um, if they dislike it, they're disliking what Christ would do mm-hmm. and so you know from that sense I don't need to have some. Measure of of guilt or inadequacy associated with it, but I need to be concerned right. with what others are seeing as far as if uh, if I'm in public somewhere and my attitude isn't becoming of a Christian, mm-hmm. people are going to see that and maybe turned off from Christianity maybe forever, right? Because of it. In that case, I needed, needed to have been very concerned yeah. about what people thought. Unfortunately, some people allow the, I don't care what other people think, even to get into that environment. Mm-hmm. And in that, case, in, that, in that case, the guard's been let down not only to expose one's own weakness, uh, but the guard's been let down to give a weakness to Christianity, which isn't there.
0: Right. Uh, this past weekend, when we're filming this, it's in May, uh, I was supposed to fly to Richmond Hill, Georgia, uh, Savannah, and then drive to Richmond Hill. I dealt with five cancellations or delays and did not make it to Richmond Hill. Um, thankfully, Tate Sutton, my good buddy, was in the area, and he came and picked me up from Atlanta, and I stayed with him a couple days. But my bag made it to Savannah. I did not, but my bag did. <laughs> And while they were telling me all of this, I'd been at the airport at that point for five hours dealing with a delay and a cancellation and delay and a cancellation. And I was getting to the point where I was about ready to scream because I was so frustrated at everything that happened. But every time I reminded myself, I have to explain why I have to make it to Savannah and why I was going to Savannah was to represent the school and give a report on the work and then preach in the morning service. And if I say I'm a preacher, and you guys, do, and I just start going off on this lady, right. that's gonna really hurt. And what I experienced that night was, I was trying to get my bag back, wasn't successful. But when I mentioned to the lady I'm a preacher, and I told her what had happened to me, she was shocked at how calm I was remaining. And I said, well, don't get me wrong, I'm upset. <laughs> I am not happy about what has happened, but it's not your specific fault. That I'm speaking to you right now about it. Right. I don't know whose fault it is. And if I met with them, I might give them a little piece of my mind in a nice way that this should not be happening. But you're not my problem. You're here to try to help me fix my problem. And so I'm not going to bite the hand that feeds me. And it actually gave me a little bit more favor. And one of the ladies there did something for me that she's not technically supposed to do to try to help me. You catch more flies with honey. You get more people and individuals, you know, to bring them in with things that are sweet and better, and if you spend your time uh, with a, you know, lackadaisical attitude about what you're doing, and you just don't care, I just, I don't care what people think about me, not many people are going to think well about you, and there does come a point where how we handle the truth, how we handle ourselves in regards to the truth and in our Christian living when things don't go our way, that we are what we're supposed to be. And the reason I'm I'm so adamant about this, I've told this story before on the podcast, I'm sure. But years ago, in 2017, the Steelers had made it to the playoffs. We'd gotten a first-round bye and we we were pretty much picked to possibly run the table. We had one of the best teams we'd had in a very long time, and all that was in our way was the Jacksonville Jaguars who had barely beaten a terrible Buffalo Bills team the week before. I think they won like seven to three or 10 to three or something. You know, it was a low scoring game and they barely won. And so I I got home from services that day. All I had left to do for the whole day, we had worshiped, we'd fulfilled all of our obligations to the Lord. And I thought I can relax and watch this game and just completely go into the game and just become consumed by it, basically. So I ordered a pizza and the game started and it did not go well. From the get-go, I think we were down 14 nothing at the seven-minute mark of the first quarter. And this had already happened early on in the season to this same team. And I'm sitting here going, here we go. And so I allowed my anger to start coming out. And I was yelling at Mike Tomlin because he could hear me, uh, <laughs> the, the coach of the Steelers. I was yelling at our quarterback, at our running back, at our wide receiver. And all of a sudden, uh, pizza was here. And I thought, great, what if he heard me? And the thing I dreaded the most that day was for him to go, so what do you do for a living? (laughs) Uh, I'd rather not say in case you heard what I was just doing, uh, because I don't want you to think that preachers are hotheads. But if I carried around myself going, well, I have a right to be upset. Some people say that causes more problems than good. Truly, we can't focus completely spending all of our days on what others think about us. Uh, There does come a point where we do have to have a little bit of a, I don't care what you think about me, I know the truth, but there comes that that divide, that fine line of saying, now I've got to do what's right. Uh, Brother Dan, you have anything that you want to add to that? No, I don't believe so. Wonderful. Well, next week we'll be back together and we'll be talking about another episode, What Others Say. And this is along the same vein, but We've all had people say stuff about us, and so I hope you'll tune in then. Uh, We'll also be talking a little bit more about the library and some of the things that are involved in that with the museum that he had mentioned early on in this episode, so check the show notes out for the information on the Memphis School of Preaching and on some of the other things that Brother Cates would like to have included. Also, don't forget to email us with any questions, topics, uh, ideas. We'd love to have them. We're always trying to grow here at the Scattered Abroad Network. And here at the Far Better Podcast, until next week, let's please God now so our eternity is far better. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.